Welcome to Breaking Paradigms, a podcast where we talk about global perspectives on spatial planning in practice and theory, by Constance Frech and Sarah Kushi. In this episode, we will talk about formalization processes, the history of formalization, designs and types, and the advantages, disadvantages, and critiques of formalization. Briefly, what do we mean when we talk about formalization? In our last episode, we talked about the definition of informality, how it's characterized, and discussed the complexity of the term itself. In this episode, we will talk about the path from informal to formal, specifically in terms of human settlements. This path is what we define as a formalization process. First, some historical background. When we talk about dealing with informal settlements, there are four main governmental responses to this phenomenon. Tolerating, legalist approach, resettlement, and service on site. Tolerating informal settlements. This has a long tradition, since it was often practiced by colonial powers who didn't invest resources in mapping or registering existing structures. Otherwise, they often created specific discriminatory legislation which made legal and sanctioned buildings, whether for business or housing, unavailable. This legislation is often still the base of current law and makes efforts of formalization especially difficult since large amounts of settlement areas are not recorded on official plans and dual systems of past and present create additional land conflicts and difficulties of assigning land. However, tolerating informal settlements is not just a phenomenon of the Global South. To this day, it is practiced or perpetuated in large informal settlements or very remote structures. In the Alpine region, for example, you can find many informal buildings, which are usually tolerated by the population and not removed by the authorities, even though they violate the law. Tolerating informality is the first response of dealing with informal settlements or structures. The second response is a legalistic approach. This approach says, we follow the law no matter the consequence. It is usually associated with eviction, slum clearance and demolition. The base of this approach is that the buildings which are in violation of the law must be removed and the people inhabiting or working in the space need to find or will be put in legal structures. This approach faces limits due to economic but also social structures. On the one hand, dwellers cannot afford to move into the legal sphere and on the other hand, governments don't necessarily provide adequate alternatives. Destruction of the structures also impacts the social cohesion of the settlement. Additionally, dwellers of informal settlements typically don't have any legal claim to their settlement and therefore can't take any steps countering the efforts of the government. The third approach is resettlement. This usually happens in conjunction with demolition of previous settlements. The approach moves people from one settlement, which is informal, to one which is formal. However, typically, this only includes housing, not livelihood strategies or commercial areas which is one aspect that both communities and planners criticize. Public housing strategies are often the base of this practice. 
Some of the main criticisms include the affordability of housing, the distribution and the location of the units, especially concerning access to the city as well as the social impact linked with resettling communities or individuals. Large resettlement schemes are found in South Africa, China, Ethiopia, etc., for example. Upgrading in situ or service on site is the fourth approach and the one we'll be focusing on in this episode. The approach upgrades informal settlements and makes them formal through a process in the current location of the settlement. There are different forms and paths towards formalization, but typically they include registration and mapping of land and inhabitants in a governmental database. This process can be initiated by different actors and can have significant legal, infrastructural and financial impacts. One strong proponent of formalization processes is Hernando de Soto, who argues that most people of the Global South are not poor due to lack of money, but because they don't have access to the system and lack rights in general. When we talk about service on site, the local population gets a chance to improve their situation. That means that local communities, their needs and their situation are not dismantled as in other types of approaches, specifically the legalist or resettlement approach. However, Service on site must also be viewed critically, since not all spaces meet necessary conditions for human settlements, especially informal settlements can be found on undesirable land, which might be more prone to flooding, mudslides or other natural impacts, as well as human impacts like polluted areas. Furthermore, urbanization, especially rapid urbanization and growing local populations are rarely included in upgrading efforts. So, living conditions for current populations are formalized, but there is still a lack of additional housing for those moving to the area. This means that informality in existing settlements is alleviated, but the underlying issues seem to be just pushed down the road, literally. Imagine a house being formalized. The new holders of the land title are able to take out a mortgage and invest in constructing a bigger house on their plot. They create more housing. This might mean they build a two or three story house with additional apartments which they want to rent out. The result seems good. Legal housing with additional space for living. However, many newcomers to the city might not have the means to rent housing and if informality is rampant in the city, they might opt for the cheaper yet riskier option of building an informal dwelling themselves. Additionally, not all holders of land titles have the information or want to take the risk of building bigger houses, leaving the opportunity of newcomers in the hands of current inhabitants and the information conveyed to them. There are many factors at play and it's difficult to anticipate the real-life effects of formalization since it is a practice which is seen as very localized and meta-analysis is difficult. When we talk about formalization, we need to also talk about the opportunities and risks or advantages and disadvantages of the process. Obviously, every design of a formalization process itself can have flaws. 
but we are talking about the general opportunities and risks associated with the process of formalization. Let's start with the most obvious advantages. Capitalizing on your own property. This, for example, can mean to take up a mortgage or legally rent out your apartment to others. It also helps with eliminating exploitative dual systems and middlemen. One could even speculate that it has a positive effect in regards to corruption. Being formalized can also give you access to government subsidies and incentives. You can take advantage of all the opportunities offered by the system. Additionally, you have a lot more legal protections. Anything from liability and warranty to bankruptcy and default rules now apply to you. This also means you have enforceable contracts, especially with infrastructure services or tenants. Furthermore, you have legal access to public infrastructure and services. This might mean that government, depending on applicable law, has to provide certain types of infrastructure to you. You will also have access to finance and market information, as well as the local economy and the global economy if it is not otherwise regulated. And from the perspective of governments, you have additional revenue through taxes and create more self-reliance of the state, reducing dependence on foreign capital. On the other hand, there are also risks involved in the process. Many process designs try to mitigate these risks and therefore they are not as universally applicable. However, we think that it's necessary to present you with a full picture, especially since within our research we found that the risks and disadvantages are often neglected as irrelevant. Firstly, formalization can endanger working extra-legal or informal structures which might work better suited in the local context than generalized systems, especially when they concern marginalized groups or minorities, diminishing public goods in other concern. Especially since formalization is most easy on land that already belongs to the state, it can lead to unforeseen consequences in regards to further developments like infrastructure projects that might need large amounts of land. However, many countries don't practice privatization but leasing out the land. Enforce existing power structures is a risk as well. Whether this concerns the power structures between different settlements in the cities or within the settlement itself, those who are most privileged have a higher chance of getting formalized. This is where the intersections of racism, sexism, ableism and so on can have reinforcing negative effects for those most negatively affected by informality. This goes hand in hand with the next point, criminalizing and targeting vulnerable groups. The question of who gets formalized is also one of what happens when only a minority is still informal, who is that and how they are treated. A big risk about formalization is therefore that social and economic gaps might be expanded. Another point is enabling land grabbing. Depending on the information for the land title holders and the local law, formalization can enable land grabbing, since typically the holders of land titles are free to put their title on the market. This has in the worst cases 
led to abuse of the system of formalization itself. Some countries practice legal transfer of mobile or immobile goods, including land, after a set amount of time, according to common law. For example, if you occupy a piece of land or house in Germany for 30 years, even if it doesn't belong to you legally initially, the legal process of acquisitive prescription applies, making it officially yours. Similar processes exist in many countries, sometimes with shorter time limitations, which make it more easy to abuse. Creating a gap between existing standards and real situation. This applies especially in the build environment. As some formalized land title holders are not able to rebuild their settlement according to building codes, it is concerning whether a double standard is created especially since financial means are often restricted to mortgages. Last but not least, a lack of acceptance of formal structures. If you don't know the system, getting used to it can be very tricky. Again, education and simple processes can help alleviate this issue. However, bureaucracy in general is not known for being simple to navigate. This makes falling back on established patterns and extra legal institutions likely, if not handled with care. Formalization has huge advantages, both for the individual civilians as well as the government. But we should not kid ourselves. The processes are complex and there are many potential tripwires. In the next part, we will talk about the government and inhabitants from a different perspective. Let's look at another aspect of formalization, the initiators of the process. Since they reflect the power dynamics in formalization processes, and in our opinion, have the biggest impact on the process and the process design. When it comes to formalization processes, generally speaking, there are two main backgrounds, the governmental administration and the civil society. All formalization processes have their roots in either one of them, since both parties are obligated to be involved in a formalization process. Within governmental administration, there are two types of initiators of formalization processes. Generally speaking, they can start from a state level, which has no direct link to the affected communities. On the other hand, decentralized structures, like locally elected community leaders, can be an instrument and start a formalization process. They are still part of the administrative structures, but have a much more direct link to the affected community. Looking towards civil society, NGOs can initiate formalization processes as well. Globally acting organizations like ILD, Institute for Liberty and Democracy, initiated by Hernando de Soto, or WIEGO, bring expertise and knowledge of processes around the world to support formalization of marginalized areas. Also, Local associations and organizations can start such a process. And finally, inhabitants of a settlement who want to improve their situation who don't necessarily adhere to specific structures. To conclude, we have four categories. State level, decentralized structures, organizations and inhabitants. One example that showcases formalization processes initiated from a state level are the parsification processes through the UPP in Brazil. Brazil's informal settlements, and especially Rio de Janeiro's favelas, 
have a long history, including various trials of demolition and removal. The main issue is the subordinated integration of those settlements in the city. Availability of infrastructure, as well as the quality of life, is a lot lower than in other parts of the city. Favelas often are or were ruled by criminal associations. In late 2008, the UPP was founded as part of the military police force based on the model of Medellin's unit to fight drug cartels. Rio de Janeiro's favelas should get pacified in a three-phase program. The program starts with a public announcement of the upcoming pacification. The first phase is the storming of the BOPE. In this phase, this military police force takes over the control of this favela. In the second phase, the BOPE detects hotspots in drug trafficking, arrests criminals and detains weapons. Only in phase 3, the UPP takes over. This police unit differs from other police forces. Their education is focused on dialogue and sociology. In this phase, the actual formalization takes place. But there is a strong criticism against this formalization process. Brazil hosted two big sport events in the mid-2010s. 2014, the Football World Cup took place. In 2016, the Olympics. Most people don't see a coincidence in the proximity in time. The urbanist Orlando Alves dos Santos argues that the city never provided the actually needed resources to continue the program after 2016. Santos also points out that the focus of the programs strongly focused on the south of the city of Rio de Janeiro. He thinks that the real estate market in the famous areas of Rio de Janeiro suffered from crime rates of the adjacent favelas and that the program helped to raise prices again. The urbanist thinks that another attempt in a big favela in the less affluent north it's just a way of the government to show their goodwill. After celebrating big successes in the beginning years, the UPP currently suffers a crisis. Drug trafficking and the accusations of police violence are again increasing. An example of a formalization process initiated by a decentralized structure is the community-based infrastructure upgrading in Tanzania, which we discussed in more depth during our episode on learning from the South. Even though the name might suggest otherwise, the official initiator is the elected leader of the local community. The elected official usually is informed by the municipal government about the program and suggests the process to their community. And, assisted by the municipal council and experts in the field, explains the governmental program for formalization to their constituents. It is quite a lengthy process that involves education, mapping and clear distribution of land. This process is characterized by extensive democratic procedures and making use of representative structures. For example, a planning committee is elected by the local community. Generally, the use of democratic procedures always makes sure the majority is heard. However, Minorities and opposition struggle with finding a place in the process. If you want to learn more about this process, listen to the episode Learning from the South. The next example we want to introduce is the formalization process initiated by a globally acting organization, Diego, Women in Formal Employment, Globalizing and Organizing, is an international organization 
dealing with formalization processes predominantly concerning labor, but connected to urban informal settlements as well. In Delhi, Viego started a project in the framework of the focal city Delhi. The objectives of this initiative were increasing the visibility of informal workers, improving legal and policy frameworks, and the inclusion of livelihood issues in urban discourse. Delhi decided to implement an urban master plan in 2021 and started a participation program to build up a broader grassroots level movement. Viego is cooperating closely with the responsible authorities of the master plan to make sure that their targeted issues are included in the plan. Individuals are initiators of formalization processes. However, these processes are rarely documented to the same extent as the previous mentioned types of initiators. Firstly, because they don't need to justify the use of financial means to anyone. And secondly, because these types of initiatives are often a silent starting point. One example is showcased by the South African organization Afesis Korplan, who published different experiences with formalization. One of them tells her story of wanting to upgrade and formalize her house. She saw her opportunity and the support of her community to get a process off the ground. So her first step was to get herself elected to a local government position. We will link the video in the description below. This example showcases that individual motivation can lead to seeking governmental positions or in other cases, formation of organizations or associations. In a nutshell, we identified four historical steps of dealing with informality. First, tolerating. Second, legalist approach. Third, resettlement. Fourth, upgrading or service on site. Formalization generally grants more access to the system and rights. However, the success depends on the program as well as the education and the personal history of the population. And we defined four types of initiators of formalization processes and showcased how they can utilize power dynamics during the process. Formalization processes are very complex and there is no easy and neat solution. Local context matters but it's still useful to shine a light on different aspects of formalization and start a conversation that bridges continents. Leave us a comment with your opinion about formalization processes. What are the pros and cons in your opinion? And tune in for our next episode about realities of informality on different continents. The literature and resources used in this episode are linked in the description and on our website. This was Breaking Paradigms by Constanze Frey and Sarah Couchier. Be part of the conversation. If you like what we do, consider supporting us and join our Patreon community. Special thanks to our supporters Thomas Fischer. Connect with us on Facebook, YouTube and at breakingparadigms.org. Content and editing by Constanze Frey and Sarah Couchier. Sound design by Didac Barroso and Florian Frey.